Hey gang, welcome to the Your Basket is Empty pod, a space where I sit down with agencies, brands, and original e-com thinkers to discuss their journey, practical advice, and how they're navigating the current digital landscape. Your Basket is Empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting e-com and direct consumer news, interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. Go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. Today, I'm chatting with Mike Gamble, co-founder of Days, the UK's fastest growing 0% beer business. We discuss how a last flight out of London at the start of lockdown kicks out of the brand, the advantages of crowdsourced product development, the process of moving D2C only to a multi-channel player, why not spending any money on acquisition until the e-com basics were in play was a smart move, and their five-year mission to build the world's next great beer business. Before we get into it, this episode is supported by my friends at Recharge. Recharge has helped over 15,000 e-commerce merchants grow and retain their customer base through subscriptions, allowing the brands to grow their business by increasing lifetime value, reducing churn, and providing predictable recurring revenue. If you thought subscriptions were on the decline, listen to this. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion by 2025. For everyone running an e-commerce store, customer retention has been at the forefront of your mind, and subscriptions are one of the best ways to meet your goals. Create seamless subscription experience for your community and turn one-time shoppers into long-term customers with Recharge. Learn more at rechargepayments.com slash basket. Enjoy the episode. Mike, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, Tim. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, I'm well. It's uh, Wednesday, the 1st of March. The sun is about to start shining by the looks of it. Uh, and I'm in, uh, I'm in our London office at the moment in, uh, in Borough Market. Oh, nice. Good location. I mean... Monmouth coffee, yeah. I mean the whole lot, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Very, uh, very expensive when it comes to your your lunch options. It's not as simple as we were <laughs> once when we started the business. Dunks and I were bigger Tesco meal deal guys, um, and now kind of we've got we're sport for choice here when when we're down in London. So yeah, tons, <laughs> okay. tons of good options. Yeah, so you you swap the Tesco meal deal for Padella pasta every day and uh, so uh, increase I, the, the budget. Yeah, I'd li- I'd like to say that the success of the business has meant I can do that, but we definitely haven't reached that quite yet to do it every day. But we, um, we, uh, yeah, I think we've probably got a bit more options. And we, we basically, for context, we, we started hiring and building out the team about this time last year, properly kind of building out. And uh, we wanted somewhere which was kind of fun, young, good, like food, drink scene, easy for people to get to for those in London. And yeah, it's been, it's, it's been awesome. We've been really lucky so far. Yeah, that's super interesting. We'll, we'll get into that in, in, in a sec, but I usually like to, to rewind. So I'm curious, this is, you know, a relatively new venture. So talk me through yeah. why you started it firstly, but then also I'm always very curious about those first moments of when, you know, were you doing something else and this was a side project and you transitioned yeah. in and like kind of those first few months, how did that all run? Yeah, sure. I think, I think it probably makes sense. Like the start of days, when, whenever I talk about days, it really goes back to me and Dunks, my, my co-founder and my business partner. So Dunks and I, I've known each other for a long, long time, 20 plus years now. We grew up together in Scotland, played a lot of sport with each other, against each other, and then had slightly different careers. Duncan's background pre-days has always been in food and drink scale-up brands in the UK. So he was initially at a business called Genius Gluten-Free, which was one of the first kind of, or well, the first um, gluten-free business to look at the gluten-free category and think, this doesn't just have to be something for CLEX, people who have to avoid gluten but we could create something for people who might want to avoid gluten, more of kind of that lifestyle and um, that lifestyle brand. And they built a phenomenal business there. So Dunks joined as employee number four or five, I think, scaled it to 30 million in sales. They raised some private wow. equity money and Dunks launched the business in the UK, moved to Amsterdam, launched it in Europe and moved to Austin, Texas, launched it in the US. And then he joined a business called Proper Corn, um, which you may, oh, yeah. which you may have come across and was yeah, yeah. head of international sales there. 
again, a business that looked at that category and, uh, and thought we can offer consumers all the flavor, the fun of snacks, but without yep. all the sugar, salt, and, and fat. Um, so he's got awesome experience kind of in what he calls scale-ups. He hates it when I call days a startup because we don't <laughs> want to be a startup. We want to be a scale-up. Yep. Um, yep. But my background, uh, I used to work in finance. I hated it. I was terrible at it. Uh, and then I actually ended up uh, joining a company called AB InBev, um, who are the world's biggest beer company, uh, mm-hmm. initially in the Corona marketing team. So I lived in Leuven in Belgium, which was a nice. lot of fun, learned a lot about kind of the beer space. But then I joined a kind of their disruptive growth VC unit, which is a business called ZX Ventures, where they look at investing in, acquiring, and also launching kind of beverage brands and beverage products for the business. So that was kind of my like beverage experience. And Dunks and I probably started chatting about days, wow, like three and a half years ago now. We probably started chatting about it. And we came about it from this idea that we both love beer. But what I mean by that is we love the the ritual, the occasion, the moment of beer. I pull my hands up. I'm not like a a super, super craft beer guy who spends his weekends talking about like hot profiles and stuff like that. I've got a lot of friends who are that, but that's not necessarily me. I love kind of the ritual and the occasion of, of beer. And Dunks and I both realized about three and a half years ago that we were moving away from that occasion, that moment that we love so much and kind of saying how sad it is that we weren't going for beers after football on a Tuesday night or mm-hmm. having beer at lunchtime or having a few beers with our pals. And when we stepped back, we realized it wasn't the beer that we didn't want anymore. It wasn't the light, refreshing, adult tasting social beverage. It was the alcohol that we just didn't need in our lives all of the time. So we kind of took a step back and thought, wow, wouldn't this be exciting if we could... Um, if we could create something, if, if we could create something, maybe divorced beer from alcohol. We don't think that, that beer needs to equal alcohol all of the yep. time. Yep. So we started throwing that idea around. We both left our jobs, to your point around, was it a side hustle or did we, did we get stuck into it? We both left our jobs Christmas 2019. So Christmas 2019, January 2020, we both quit wow. our jobs to start this thing. <laughs> and yeah, no like no prize for guessing what, what, what came next. Um, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's mad. Dunks actually had... Um, someone tells a funny story because he handed in his notice it must have been in, in january or something like that and he must have had you know, a month two months notice because when he walked out of the doors of proper court it was literally like a week before lockdown Holy basically shit, so mad. he he definitely whereas i'd like jumped out a month or two earlier and I, I was stuck i was i was out there he definitely kind of had an interesting time to to to, to jump into it but if we go back to like that moment because it's actually like a really important part of like the day story and like where we, why we are where we are now so probably take it back to like three years ago to the day right so march i don't know when the exact time was but when lockdown was happening when covid hit dunks and i had spent about six months in total probably before that doing things like lots of focus groups chatting to consumers about alcohol free beer figuring out kind of who would drink it why would they drink it testing lots of different products in the market looking what was out there what was good, what wasn't good, understanding what an alcohol-free beer really needed to be. And whilst we're doing that, we're also speaking to lots of different uh, brewery partners to understand who could make an alcohol-free beer for us, learning all the different styles, weird and wonderful ways of making alcohol-free beer. And we did have a moment about three years ago, whenever that moment was, when Boris went on TV and said, you were going into lockdown. Dunks and I were in London at the time, but we'd found a fantastic production partner up in Scotland, where we're both from, mm-hmm. who We'd had a meeting with that week. They had all of the ability to like create great alcohol-free beers. They've got a fantastic site, use locally sourced Scottish ingredients. And we left that meeting really, really excited about the opportunity. Then got back to London where we were living at the time. 
and the world was about to go into lockdown. And Duncan and I, in that moment, were like, we can either not do this because launching a beer company doesn't sound like a good idea during a lockdown, or we can just jump in and go straight for this. And we actually took the last flight out of London pre-lockdown up to Edinburgh, packed both our girlfriends um, with us at the time and said, we're going to Scotland for a few weeks, knowing it would probably be a bit longer, um, and just jumped in and, and, and went up there. And I've got a photo, which I'll send you, of me and Dunks getting on that plane. We're the only people on the flight. Holy it's like shit. the last EasyJet flight. We're the, only people on, <laughs> we're the only people on the flight. So we moved up there and basically went to our brewery, like moved in next door to the brewery. And said, like, guys, we're here. We're like really committed to doing this and we want to work with you over this period, whatever this is going to look like. We're going to work with you during this period to create great tasting beers. So over that six month period, which I always go back to, is like so, so important for our business. When everyone was stuck at home, when there was all that kind of weird moment, we just use it as an opportunity to just do one thing, which is brew great tasting beers. So we've yeah. tasted all the different ways of making alcohol free beer, recipe, process, ingredients. And what we realized is we had quite a lot of people who were stuck at home with not a lot to do, who were quite happy to receive a care package of beers. Yeah. So yeah. we were brewing beer, sending it to people, getting people's feedback. So this is from my colleagues of mine at ABM Bev, potential investors, partners in the trade, so restaurateurs, bar, bar managers, sending them the beer and getting, them the, getting that feedback and then taking that feedback to the brewery and using that feedback to iterate and constantly develop and create the new products. And that was probably kind of a six month process. And what I would say is if we hadn't had that moment and that pure, just like focus on product, there's no way our beers would have tasted as good as they, as, 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 as they do. We really did learn so much from having the focus, but also the like access to a community, if you want to call it that, just to get so much information, almost like crowdsource what our beer should, uh, should taste like. So that's like the very, very start. I've always said like the very start of days is me and Dunks getting on that plane. Um, but then we launched the business in October 2020. We, I'm sure we'll go into this, but the way of the world, we launched D2C because yep. there were no bars, restaurants, grocery yep. customers open. That was definitely like a learning experience for Dunks and I. We had no experience in that space before. We, we worked with an amazing uh, freelance uh, consultant at the time called Hugh, who really helped us understand the space and understand the way it works. Um, and we learned so much during that, that first year where we were effectively just a D2C beer business. Yeah, that's, um, dude, what a fucking sick story. That's so insane. Um, I'm, there's so many like interesting things I want to, I want to grab from, from that, yeah. but like, I, I suppose first off, so you, you're, you're, you're carrying on that first six months sort of product development phase. Yeah. W- was that done in parallel with the brand or were you kind of doing yeah. one before the other or were they, you doing them in unison? Yeah, very, very much in parallel. I think before we came on air, I, I spoke to you a little bit about Onwards to our creative agency that we worked with at the start of days. We'd had a meeting with them in person the week before lockdown. The next meeting that we're meant to have with them, we also, had, we also had to say, look, we're in lockdown, we can't do this. And by the way, we're now in Scotland, so we're not going to be able to see you anytime soon. So we did it all kind of like this over, over Zoom for those first yep. six months. But it was, it was really interesting because whilst we were brewing beer and learning about what we wanted the beer to taste like and using all these different things and speaking to so many consumers, we were working on the brand at the same time. and could also use all that information alongside all the brand um, creation that we did to make sure that everything kind of worked and was, and was very succinct. So yeah, that six month process, brewing beer and working with, with Onwards to create the brand visual identity and strategy and, and really what we wanted this, this business to be about. That's so interesting. So I'm curious then, so first off, um, we were talking just before this, so I haven't drunk alcohol in eight yeah. years and I came across you guys probably more so professionally, but now yeah. as a consumer, well, it's kind of a nice <laughs> meeting of uh, my professional and my consumer world. <laughs> 
But one thing I've noticed, I so I um I've never been into non-alcoholic stuff for eight years. Yeah. I've just like drunk. It's actually kind of odd for, and I assume you would have got this in the kind of like the case study or the you know the user studies, etc. Like, yeah, there's a lot of non-alcoholic options, uh, but they're usually quite sweet. So you can have a soft yeah. drink, but how many of them can you drink? You know, you like drink one Coke. Then yeah. some of them got caffeine in it, and that's yeah. kind of weird. And then there's obviously you know seed lip, you know one of the originators of the kind of like cocktail yeah. thing or the mocktail or whatever. So, so, so that's a thing. But I've only recently sort of thought, oh shit, beers are a really good, like uh, non-sweet, uh, non-alcoholic yeah. drink. Yeah. But when I started drinking them, I realized the first one I drank, I got a like serious fucking buzz because I hadn't drunk in eight years. And yeah. I realized there was a small amount of alcohol right. in it. So yeah. I, I noticed you guys are zero. It, what, what's the reason for that? Is, is that a taste thing? Is it a differentiator thing? Is yeah. it just the way in which the product, you know, the production process works? Why that? Yeah, it's um, it's 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 a really good question. For us, it's like quite simple. The occasion is alcohol free. People are looking for the product to be alcohol free, and zero zero means it's it's alcohol free. So, and we also got that insight exactly what you just told me there. We got that insight from when we spoke to a lot of consumers who were saying, "I wanted an alcohol free beer." I would buy one that would say it's alcohol free but i'd look on the back and it would say it's 0.5 percent abv yeah. or it's one yeah. percent abv it's low low abv whatever whatever it might be we just didn't want to do that we just thought if you could create an alcohol free beer that was zero zero why would you leave any alcohol in it whatsoever so we wanted it to be as as easy as accessible as understandable for the consumer as possible for the product to be alcohol for the product to be alcohol free i wouldn't want to assume why someone is choosing to drink alcohol-free beer so i wouldn't say oh one percent is fine for you if a yeah. consumer wants alcohol-free they want it to be zero zero so we went in with that goal to create a 0.0 percent beer because so many consumers told us it was important and three years down the line i can tell you every day we get people who tell me exactly what you just told me that they they look they order an alcohol-free beer it's 0.5 they're disappointed they want yeah. it to be zero zero so that's really important what we also realized though when we started working on it it's very very hard to do like it's very, very hard uh, to create, but particularly for an independent um, brand like us, it's very hard to create a 0.0% beer. Again, if we go back to the first question about how much our product focus and at the time we spent doing that, we realized it was quite easy to make a 0.5% beer, but harder to make a 0.0% beer. But because we knew consumers wanted 0.0%, consumers who are choosing to drink our product aren't looking to compromise, right? So why would yep. we compromise when it came to the product? So yep. for us, it was, if we can do it, why wouldn't we do it? So we worked really, really hard to do it and create 0.0% beer. We owe a lot to the ingredients and the process that we use. To, to that, that means we have great tasting alcohol-free beer. That is 0.0%. We use locally, Scot locally sourced um, Scottish ingredients. You can probably tell by my slightly dodgy accent that I'm from Scotland. <laughs> We've got... Uh, We've got the best water in the world, but we do have softer water. So the Scottish water we use from the Lammermuir Hills is softer, and therefore it's actually better for creating light, refreshing 0.0% beers like, like we do. So we just work very carefully through the brewing process to make sure we don't create any alcohol. Another way of creating alcohol or 0% beer is to create an alcoholic beer, beer and then dealkalize it. We never wanted to do any of the dealkalization because um, you strip a lot of flavor out. And yeah, you also, it's very uh, energy intensive. And from sustainability play, we just didn't think it was an appropriate way to do it. So ah, we, worked, we worked really, really hard. We've got a unique process that allows us to deliver that, that, that flavor at 0.0%. And for us, it, it's simple. Consumers want alcohol-free beer to be zero, zero. It's hard to do. 
we worked really hard to do it and, and have managed to managed to achieve it. That's so interesting. Yeah, I saw something the other day. I'm assuming you guys know they called like Wednesday Domain or something. Yeah, like alcohol yeah. free wine, and they yeah. had a whole thing which is so interesting. I wanted to talk to you about it. You've just yeah. asked the question because their whole thing was like they don't de-alcoholize, yeah. and it, that was it because of the taste. They didn't talk about the intensive nature in order, like energy nature, to get yeah. the alcohol out. So that's another interesting differentiator. Yeah. Okay. Mate, yeah, I'm you so much. When we started working with our brewer. And kind of we said, oh, we could create something and then dealkalize it. And he was like, Mike, <laughs> on one hand, you're telling me to use all these like premium source local ingredients, <laughs> like the barley's within 50 miles of our brewery. On one hand, you're telling me this. On the other hand, you're telling me you want to run it through like heat treatment to remove the flavor. Because yeah. when, you, when, you, when you remove the alcohol, of course, you get rid of the alcohol, but you remove tons of flavor as well. So yeah. that was just like a learning for us. And, and we, were, we were lucky um, that, that, that we've managed to do it. Yeah, nice. So uh, getting back to you kind of like uh, the origin story there, we talked about, um, or you talked about the, you know, direct consumer was kind of yeah. like the first play. I- I'm curious about how that growth went. So d- did your direct consumer strategy sort of follow the general uh, e-com explosion of that time? And I'm curious then also looking, at, well, you know, taking the, the time stamp now. So we're in March, 2023. Yeah. I'm assuming retail has now become part of the strategy. And how do you kind of like manage yeah. all of that retail versus direct consumer? Yeah, for sure. So if I take you back to October, 2020, when we launched the business, um, great piece of advice we got from our freelance consultant working with the time, um, Hugh, was let's not spend any money on acquisition until we know a bit about how this works. So till we know that our website converts, till we have a better understanding about who our consumer is, till we make sure our email flows um, all work, till we make sure we've got like everything set up from like a CX and retention play. So the first three months of the business, and that's why I always say to other founders when I speak to them, like the minute you press go, you think your problems that you've made it. There's so many other problems that, that, that <laughs> pop up. So the first three months of business, we didn't spend any money on 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 acquisition. So no money with Meta or anything like that. We started doing that in January 2021, by which point we knew we had a good website that converted, yep. very simple, but converted well, landing pages set up, good email, and um, which meant that when we got cons- customers, we could get them coming back. So we started spending money on Meta in, in January 2021. And yeah, I think we probably did ride a bit of that that boom at the start. And I can remember the first three months, spring 2021, we were probably like, wow, this is, this is easy. Like you put some money into Facebook and you get like a really good- <laughs> The you glory get a, days of Yeah, you get like a really yeah. good return, return on that spend. And yeah. we probably thought at the start, we're like, wow, this could just be like a D2C beer business. This is, yeah. this is great. Beyond that, what we also loved from um, the D2C side of our business was like that consumer insight and consumer yeah. learning. We, started, we learned so much about like this product, this category, this opportunity, just by building that really close relationship with our consumer. We spoke about Blueprint before I came on this show. Before I came on here, like amazing for CX, like customer experience, but also for consumer insight. We just learned so much there. And I think we were really lucky that because for the first nine months to a year, we were basically a D2C business. We launched our subscription in summer 2021. It meant that when we did start overlaying those more traditional beer channels, so bars, restaurants, grocery stores, we actually had a really good understanding about who our consumer was and this category and how we saw the mm-hmm. opportunity which helped inform those different channels and, and, and how we approach it. So we, um, we probably started building out our more kind of traditional distribution channels in summer 2021 when things were starting to open up again, bars, restaurants, grocery stores. And then the job over the last kind of 18 months, so from summer 2021 to now, has just been to continue to grow in, in those channels. So for context, we're now in must be 1,500 kind of uh, 
bar restaurant stores across across the UK. Um, a lot of that growth has happened in the last three or four months with those kind of slightly larger customers. So in the last four months, we've onboarded Wagamamas, uh, oh, wow. T- Tesco, Ocado, um, Benugos, Ambassador Theatre Groups. Think about all the theatre um, sites across the UK. And then a load of other kind of um, some independent, but also like great pub um, and restaurant groups across the UK. So the business is actually at a really interesting stage. because I would say for 2022, we were probably... 70% D2C. So 70% of our revenues still probably came from our, our website, which I think surprises quite a lot of people. But then now, I think if I looked at like February as an example, D2C is continuing to grow, but D2C is probably now at like 50% of our revenue. And I think we would probably see it netting out across the business closer to like 40, 30% by the end of the year. Um, we love we love the channel. We love learning so much about our consumer. No question, it's like a trickier channel than, than it was. But I think like we're going to see a lot more growth now coming from those kind of traditional retail channels. So Tesco is an example, yeah. amazing customer. Like they've been brilliant to work with, and we're seeing some really really exciting results about our rate of sale on Tesco and Ocado as, as well. Interesting. So I'm 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 very green when it comes to that sort of world and strategy. But yeah. I, I understand that like in, in in the big players, right? The Tesco and the Wagamamas, like that's just massive reach. But I'm curious, like when you were going sort of into the retail strategy and taking the learnings from the direct consumer kind yeah. of play, what, what does that kind of look like? Do you look at the demographic of the people that are buying your stuff and go, okay, this is what these guys look like. They probably live here. Let's pick that pub. That's probably going to get us a good return because we know that those sorts of people are, they're kind of exactly. like, is, is, is it as simple as that? Yeah, looking at, so like demographics for, sh- for sure. So call it 20 to 35 year old more like mm-hmm. lives in like an urban area. So Scotland's mm-hmm. great uh, market for us, but mm-hmm. as is as is London, similar brands they may shop, they may shop for that kind of stuff. Yep. That gives us like really clear like guardrails about where's a good place to start the start start seeding the brand, particularly because at the start you really want to build kind of like brand homes, brand loyalty, and really be where your where your consumer is. So we learned we would use that all the time. I'm trying to think of like really good examples. Thinking about in um, in like central London, we know that we're more likely to work in like some of the premium sites where they have like premium craft beers or premium yeah. premium food, premium wines. We are yeah. we are a premium product, and yeah. we know that our consumers willing to spend that D to C, so they definitely be willing to spend that in in real life as well. I think we learned a lot as well about the occasion for alcohol free beer. We had a lot of people through the D to C channel telling us they were drinking beer like midweek and lunchtime and places like that so that really helped us inform it and we could go to some of our restaurant customers and say like hey we sell a lot of alcohol-free beer we know a lot of our consumers are drinking alcohol-free beer on a tuesday night or a wednesday night that might be interesting for you guys to trade people up from water or coca-cola or something like that to to an alcohol-free beer so yeah it really helped us learn a lot about um who our consumer is that we could really use just to overlay that with our um with our retail strategy i would say particularly in that first year if you walked into a bar or restaurant where days were selling really, really well, we would think we, that would probably mirror our D2C cohort in terms of who the Go consumer on. is. That makes total sense. Yeah. So let, let's touch on the, the 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 days consumer themselves. Let's maybe get a little bit deeper there. So yeah, ba- based on what your assumptions are and the thesis and what you've learned, like why does somebody come to days? Is it someone? Um, wants to make healthier choices are they totally alcohol free is it a mixture of both is it a is it a do you see spikes over dry january you know all of that i'm I'm curious about the sort of that that sort of data that you might have yeah sure i'm curious because you're a customer as well so i'm curious if this this, (laughs) okay if this if this matches up i think like the first the words used there like healthier like 100 like 
people who drink uh, days or alcohol-free beer generally are looking to make healthier lifestyle choices. And that's actually the number one like, piece of insight that we use with a lot with our brand. It's like consumers are looking for it because it is a healthier product. That's what motivates drinking less alcohol. Your second point around, are they drinking no alcohol? Are they drinking some alcohol? I would say that 80% of our consumers actually still do drink alcohol and are probably like really get beer, get that like moment, that occasion, that, that ritual, but are really looking to have something that doesn't always have the side effects of alcohol. So they want to have a beer on a Tuesday night, they wake up on Wednesday morning, work on their startup, run 10K, maybe they're training yep. for a marathon, whatever, yep. whatever it might be. So they really, they're definitely looking to look that healthier lifestyle but they don't necessarily want to like sacrifice like the flavor and the moment that the beer brings and there's no question beer is is great for that and i always tell like people when we onboard them into the company like beer is an alcohol beer is like cheersing socializing moments like that that thing is what what beer is about so i'd say healthier lifestyle not necessarily all um all alcohol like sober all the time the dry january thing is really interesting uh, we've obviously just we're in march now so it's pretty recent We've always like we definitely see a spike in January in kind of interest, and you can see that in terms of like search volume and sales online. We definitely see a spike on January on like how we were tracking probably December, November, the few months before, and it probably tracks slightly down in February. But every year we've had April online has been bigger than January, so that mm. so I expect like we will beat January sales figure by April online for sure because you get people who like come into the category and come into the space in January. But then I think the other thing is like we work really well where beer works. Like beer in the summer sells really, really well. So yeah, that like works really, really well with our with our with our product. And what I like to think back to is when Dunks and I started this business, we would tell a lot of our pals that we're talking about launching an alcohol free beer business. They're like, What are you guys doing? Like nobody <laughs> drinks alcohol free. Like what's what's the point? Like I love that question. I get it all the time. Like, what's the point yeah. in alcohol free beer? Whereas now, I think there's no question that post-lockdown, people are looking to live like healthier lifestyle. People want to socialize. They don't want to sacrifice on that. And there's a lot more interest in alcohol-free beer than there ever has been. For context, alcohol-free beer is 2% of the beer category in the UK. We think there's easily the potential to get that to 10% in the next, in the next five years. When you look at health, which is the mega trend that impacts on all kind of consumers, impacted so much consumer products over the last five, 10 years. But then also when you think about the occasions for alcohol-free beer, like I don't think alcohol-free beer just lives in a pub on a Friday, Saturday night, and someone might swap what an alcohol-free beer in every now and then. We're really excited about new occasions and new consumers. So yep. let's take beer to places that it's that it, that it doesn't usually that it doesn't usually live, and let's get consumers who maybe aren't interested in alcoholic beer might be an, an alcohol-free beer might be a lot more relevant for them. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, yeah, in terms of my feedback to you as a consumer and a customer. To me, it's it's primarily about the occasion thing you talk about. And also just like the sort of basics mechanics of like, it's not so nice to sip on a Coke for a very long time because yeah. it goes flat and it doesn't taste very nice. Whereas yeah. sipping on a beer over half an hour is just more enjoyable. And also yeah. I, I feel personally, it's about the the non-sweet taste of it. You know, yeah. that, that's kind of a thing as well. Yeah, um, de definitely. And we talk about adult soft drink a lot here. Adult soft drink. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, exactly. I, don't, I don't like... I don't love it because I don't love the word soft so much. And I'm always like, I want it to like, we're a beer company and we want to always be about beer. But if you think about that, like adult soft drink category that we absolutely have the right to play in and, and operate in in so many occasions, because that's what a beer is. It's a light, refreshing, non-sweet kind of social beverage. So yeah. yeah, I think it's just reframing beer and think about that is definitely what we're trying to do. 
Um, I want to switch gears to a bit of the competition and what's going on out there in the space. Yeah. Uh, L- Lucky Saint, I think, a, a, you know, they did a huge January campaign. I saw they, they were fucking everywhere. Yeah. Um, they're opening a pub, I believe. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Good move, not so good move? Would that be something you guys look at or are you happy with your kind of like retail strategy kind of as it yeah, is? Yeah, I like, I, um, I can definitely see why they've, why they've done it. And I think it's, a, I, can, I, can, I can see the argument for it being a smart play for them for sure. It's not something that we're looking at, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't, it's not something that we're looking at right now. I think maybe if they did do something in retail, maybe it would look quite different to a pub. I think we'd probably try and think about it slightly, slightly differently. But I see why they're doing it. It's not in the immediate focus for us. Like We've got so much work to do to continue like building with great customers, both groceries, so the Tesco's of this world, but also like the on-trade, so bars, restaurants, wagamamas. There's plenty of places that we need to get days that naturally are naturally our focus right now got it uh another slightly local competitor i don't know much about them i don't know much about them personally never met them but obviously they garner a lot of attention brew dog friend yeah. foe indifferent what are your thoughts i get, I get asked this so much just because oh really is it because of the scottish, scottish connection beer, yeah, yeah, yeah right got it got it got it once yeah. asked me which one am i and which one's dunks the two brew dog founders <laughs> Uh, I don't. Think, I think we had a very political and a diplomatic answer for it. I think with Brewdog, um, look. First and foremost, they have built a phenomenally successful business and have done something amazing in craft beer. And there are a lot of craft beer companies, founders, people who, like Brewdog, have really paved the way for that. Now, without knowing like all of the details from just what you read and what you pick up, it suggests that maybe some of the stuff they've, they, they've done or the way it's built, built there may be some teething problems and we maybe don't agree entirely with like some of their, some of their ethos. So that won't comment too much. Like I obviously don't agree with some of the, the challenges that come out around, like the mental health practices at, at mm-hmm. Brewdog. We have mm-hmm. we had an initiative within our business called Days Duty, which gives 2% of sales to mental health initiatives. So obviously when I see that kind of criticism, that like, that like stirs some, something up in me. But I'm not close. But I'm not not close enough to it. And I actually think whenever there is any controversy around Brewdog, I think they probably embrace it and probably see it as a, as a as a pretty good thing. Definitely, yeah. That that's always been my sort of like observation of them. Again, I don't know much about them other than the headlines, and mm. it. I couldn't quite tell if it was a bit of an Andy Kaufman like stunt where they were sort of. I wonder know, that sometimes. I don't know. I, it's hard to tell how much of it they're actually planting the seed because. Obviously, a lot of the stuff is not great, but yeah, they didn't feel like there was a um, didn't feel like they were afraid of leaning into the controversy. Yeah, you know, and I which, think, which I get, yeah. you know, like in terms of brand building, you know, it's they're, they're, yeah, we're talking about you, it now. Exactly. If you look at how they exactly, like that's the exact that's the ex, the exact point we're chatting about it now, and you see whenever they're all over LinkedIn, like they're definitely poking the bear, and they know that every engagement, every like, every or every like piece of anger just keeps feeding that algorithm. I think we looked at it a lot when we started brand we're thinking about like the brand the identity because it's kind of a well-trodden path in craft beer particularly well-trodden by by brew dog is to like slam everyone else right so like i used to work for the world's biggest beer company abm bev who would get slammed by brew dog all the time so brew dog would like slam stella stat slam budweiser we hate big beer we hate like corporate big beer and there was an option maybe when we started days we could they could have been like oh will you guys be the one who like slam bets blue slam yeah, yeah, heineken yeah, yeah. zero like all these zero versions and we kind of made a slightly different decision that we think there's an opportunity to be like a bit more positive about like what we are as opposed to like 
you guys are this, you guys are that. Like, why don't we be positive about like what we are? Because our opportunity is actually to be positive about being alcohol free. Whereas yeah. the big beer companies can never do that, right? They're never yeah. going to celebrate the benefits of, of drinking less alcohol. So I think we see it like slightly different tack to, to Brewdog. Um, I think it's just interesting watching that brand as it evolves. They go from being like, like the like rowdy teenager to now they're like slight, like slightly older, trying to evolve and they care about the planet, <laughs> yeah. sustainability, and yeah. we'll we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. But yeah, does does that answer your question, or am I just like yeah, yeah, no, 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 totally, yeah. I think the analogy of the teenager now they're the kind of slightly disturbed younger adult or something like that. Yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, but I think yeah. your um your kind of like general branding strategy is a really interesting one. I can see how it would have been easy to sort of follow that path, but I feel with that path, there's only one way to go, and then if you so if you go in at that kind of like slamming the other brands yeah. and then you realize, well, that runs out of road, you're going to yeah. have to go the other way. And then that's going to look disingenuous because you've yeah. totally reneged on your current sort of like, you know, position or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. Whereas I think in your position, if you wanted to change tag and go and slam them, you could if you wanted to, but at least you've set the ground rules of where the kind of brand sits in like in that kind of like yeah. ethos and space. I like just comes back to me the way I see our opportunity is to like create a beer company that is relevant and engaging for a younger consumer to keep beer relevant basically to do that you need to be authentic you need to be transparent you can still have fun like we're still a beer company we can still have tons of fun and that's where I really see our opportunity is to like promote the benefits of alcohol-free beer in like a fun way that hasn't been done before like I don't know if you saw Every Valentine's Day, it feels we offer better sex or money back for drinking alcohol-free beer over, nice. over Valentine's Day. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, funny. you did the collab. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. do like funny things like this. Like, I'd rather do that, build like a cool, fun brand than just like poke the bear and criticize every, everyone else, right, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, got it. So uh, let's project forward. Where are you guys in five years' time? Yeah, um, I talk a lot here, like the team get like, team like wind me up but i talk a lot about building the world's <laughs> next uh, talk a lot about building the world's next great beer business like that's what our opportunity here is i believe is to create a beer business that is engaging and relevant for a younger consumer younger consumers are drinking less alcohol and if beer doesn't stay relevant like beer will lose people won't keep drinking beer like we want to keep that amazing like ritual connection that beer brings so build something that's relevant for a younger consumer to do that we're going to have to keep building like a great team, great culture. We've got a fantastic group of people here and um, who really care about what we're doing, think about things differently. So that's what we need to, the category is growing. We've got great product, great brands. So we need to make sure we've got a great team and culture. And if we can do that, create a great beer business, then we can also have a very positive impact through Days Duty, where we commit 2% of all sales to mental health mm-hmm. initiatives and everything we do in B Corp. So high level, world's next great beer business. Love it. Great mission. Um, final question. What would you be doing if you weren't running days? Yeah, funny one. I think I was thinking about this when you sent it over to me. I think if you'd asked me, ironic, if you'd asked me when I was like 15, what would I want to do? About I want to be a rugby player or a footballer or a golfer. But I think if you asked me when I was like 25, after I'd failed at being a rugby player, a golfer, a footballer, what I'd want to do, <laughs> I probably would have said I probably would have said running a beer company. Like I absolutely yeah, nice. I absolutely love what I do. Like I run a beer company with one of my best pals. Like whatever happens with days, whatever happens post days, I'm probably not gonna love it as much as as I love this. But I have thought if I wasn't doing this, I've always liked the idea of teaching or coaching in some nice. capacity. Um yeah, I think like I would have loved I would love to maybe teach at some point. Nice. Well, look, I think it's lucky you guys got on that plane, right? In COVID. Very lucky. Yeah. Very Just lucky. Like, uh, that that's the line from like Rachel and Friends, right? Like lucky, lucky you got on the, or got off the plane. We, we got on the plane. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, Mike, I think that's a good way to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. Thanks for your time, Tim. Good to meet you. There you go, folks. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we go, a quick word from my sponsor, Recharge, the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants launch and scale subscription offerings. Discover how your business can harness the power of recurring revenue and seamless subscription commerce at rechargepayments.com slash basket. Before we go, if you like the pod, please like, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time.